Thank you for listening, downloading, sharing, subscribing, commenting, donating, and praying for us. And for going to brotherlance.com to get the free PDF of this teaching. So here's the thing. we got two verses. we got the first one where they try to use Jesus' name, and they're so far removed, right, from Jesus that they're like, just, hey, that seemed to work. Let's try this, right? They're Jewish mystics, right? And then the demon's like, who are you? And then they beat him up. And so in the second verse, you have Jesus saying, yeah, you were kind of close to me. You kind of knew the authority and the power of my name, but it means so little. I don't even know you, right? So now you have the spiritual side going, who are you? And then you have the lukewarm creation where Jesus is like, uh-uh, I don't even, what are you talking about, dude? You know, get out of here. Get out of my face, right? And so we don't want to be on the no name list. Like, you know, you're getting into the club. You want to be on the list that gets you in the club. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for your love and many, many blessings. Thank you for laughter and joy. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for allowing us to gather together in your name. Please give us your Holy Spirit and direct us and guide us in all truth. Thank you for taking care of us in this wicked, wild world that we live in. It's evil and it's pathetic. I don't like it, but we're in it, so we're going to be a light while we're here. So we love you very much and be with our Bible study. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. All, oh, yeah. All OSU jokes aside. <laughs> Do demons know your name? What a strange and provocative question. Most Christians, feeling weak and unprepared for real spiritual conflict, shrink in their seats at the thought of it. Timidity and fear strikes the heart of the lukewarm. Neither fit for the kingdom of God, nor a light in the world, they are of so little consequence that the devil and his demons don't even know their names. While provocative to ask, do demons know your name? It is of major consequence how it is answered. Your salvation could very well be ascertained with this very simple question. And so what we're talking about here is two things. Uh, one, this Bible study is mainly about what God calls us and what the Bible refers to us as. But it also led me to think about, like, spiritually speaking, um, how does it relate in the spiritual realm? So I'm going to read this first and we'll talk about it. And God did works of power through the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons from his skin brought... Onto the sick, the disease were released, and the evil spirits went out of them. And certain from strolling Jews, exorcists undertook to the name the Lord Jesus over those having evil spirits, saying, We adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches. And there were seven sons of Siva, a Jewish chief priest, who did so. But answering, the evil spirit said, Drumroll, please. Jesus I know, and I comprehend Paul, but who are you? Ouch. Adis, and the man whom the evil spirit resided leaped on them and overcame them. He was strung against them, and so they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Acts 19, 11 through 6. And so what we have here is a realization, I think, you know, really in Scripture, because, I mean, there's some in the Old Testament, but really in, in the New Testament, a real realization other than Jesus, because, you know, Jesus would walk up and they would, like, say, hey, we know who you are. You're the Lamb of God or Son of God, you know. Right. Are you going to torture us now? You know? And so they knew uh, Jesus, obviously. But here in the in the book of Acts, we find out now they know his followers. 
right? They're, they're aware of Peter and Paul and James and all those who call upon the name of Jesus. And so what we have to realize in this is right now is either you're obedient to God, you're covered in the blood of Jesus Christ, you're doing the things that please the Lord, or you're not, right? And if you're not, then the devils don't care because you're not walking into the authority. You're not a, of any consequence, right? Everything will go smooth and you won't be attacked and you'll be like all of a sudden going, wow, everything's really good. Yeah, that's a good point. And so let's read what it says. Next one. If demons don't know your name, I can guarantee you Jesus doesn't know your name either. Okay. And so there's a, a really weird thing that happens in this verse I'm going to point out. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and and through your name throughout demons and through your name do many wonderful works? And then I will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, those working lawlessness. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. The so, last one is I'm going to read this part now. I'll have commentary. We are built for battle, meant for conflict. We have a father who sends his children out to war. Our Lord requires us to endure tribulation and persecution. We are not our own. We are purchased by the blood of Jesus. We don't have a say over our lives, and we don't get to pick our assignments for the kingdom of heaven. We live under the mandate of obedience to the throne. So here's the thing. We got two verses. We got the first one where they try to use Jesus' name, and they're so far removed right from jesus that they're like just hey that seemed to work let's try this right they're jewish mystics you're right and then the demon's like who are you and then they beat him up and so in the second verse you have jesus saying yeah you were kind of close to me you kind of knew the authority and the power of my name but it means so little i don't even know you right so now you have the spiritual side going who are you and then you have the lukewarm creation where Jesus is like, uh-uh, I don't even, what are you talking about, dude? You know, get out of here. Get out of my face, right? And so we don't want to be on the no-name list. Like, you know, you're getting in the club, you want to be on the list that gets you in the club, you know? And so if we look at the next part of these verses, these, uh, the, what we're really going to be covering today is the things God calls us. Right. And the things that were labeled in scripture and, you know, it's meant to encourage us. But I understand, guys, you can have some authority in the name of Jesus by harnessing his name, which I would submit that it's using his name in vain if you're not fully committed to him. Because if you don't belong to him fully and you're trying to wield the name like he's referencing here, I prophesied, I cast out demons. Not a good thing, right? And so, uh, and the demons, of course, they don't know your name either, right? Because you never pray in the spirit to uh, go against the devil. You know, you don't rebuke the demons. You don't side with Jesus Christ. You don't ask for forgiveness. You don't ask forgiveness of your country or your people, or your town, you know, these type of things. So it's like, you're not even on the radar, right? We don't want to be that way. We want to be on the radar, okay? Right. Okay, so let's see. Top of page two. That being said, we are so precious and valuable to our God and Lord that we must remember what God says about his children. So let us remember now. Those called by Jesus' name as children of God are called these following titles and sayings. If God calls you by these titles, you better believe the demons know your name. I hope to instill in your heart and minds not only your true, your value, but also your calling before God. I pray this convinces you all to run out of the world system and fulfill your God-given calling and purpose. You are made to stand outside the crowd to be weird and strange in the world. Do not follow the crowd or the world's ways of doing things. You are meant to be a threat to the demons that control this place for your name to be spoken alongside that of your saviors. Okay? And so if we... Yeah, amen. So if we... 
abide with Jesus, right? When the, like most people are like, you're a Jesus freak. Well, that's a compliment. They meant you're a Christian as an insult, right? But in reality, it was a compliment because they're being labeled alongside their savior, right? So is your life in such contrast to the world that when they look at you, it's like, oh, they're a Jesus freak. They're, they're a nut, right? Are, you know, they're so far out there, right? They're, you know, fanatical, Right. Well, that's what you want. You want to be so closely aligned to Jesus that the world doesn't know how to take you. Mm -hmm. Right. Because you're not influenced by their same influences. OK. Does anybody have any comments or anything before we go? Nope. OK. Let's read the first one. You guys are called the remnant. And the dragon was enraged over the woman and went to make war with the rest of her seed who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ, right and so with the rest of her seed in the uh king james that says the remnant and so or the remaining parts right and so you want to be the remnant so if you cut a, a tablecloth and you have a little square left that's called the remnant right and so there is a remnant of the body of christ that remains faithful that keep the commandments of god and the faith of jesus christ and you want to be a part of that group yeah. and that's revelation twelve seventeen. and so we want to be the remnant Okay, you want that moniker, you want that put on you, believe me, that's the name you want, okay? And so that means if you're the remnant, the implication is there is that you are not like everyone else. You are strange, you're different, okay? Which goes into our next one. Peculiar people. For the grace of God that brings salvation is appeared to all men, teaching us that having denied ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live discreetly, righteously, and godly in the present world, looking for the blessed hope and the appearance of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify himself in a special people, or peculiar people in the King James, zealous of good works, speak these things and exhort and rebuke with all authority, let no one despise you, Titus 2, 11 through 15. Right, so you're a special or peculiar people, depending on your interpretation of the scriptures. But it's the same thing. You guys are different. I'm different. You're different, right? None of us are supposed to be trying to fit into the world. The pressure to fit into the world and have the same goals, desires, and you know hierarchy of need is strong, right? Because everybody says you should have X, Y, Z to be successful, and this is what happiness looks like. But in God's paradigm, it doesn't look like that at all, right? So in God's paradigm, you know, a peaceful and quiet spirit is pleasing to God, right? Those who seek the kingdom of heaven first, that's pleasing to God, right? And so to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. All right, next one. Um, special. He gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify to himself a special zealous of good works. Titus 2.14. And so, um, trying to pull this one out just a little bit from the one above, right? With the peculiar and the special. But it's the same thing, guys. We're unique. Next one. Not of this world. At the bottom of page 2. And now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in them. I've given them your word, and the word has a world has hated them, because you are they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not pray for you, uh, for you to take them out of the world, but for you to keep them from evil. John 17, 13 through 15. So you're not of the world, right? Jesus was not of the world. You're not of the world. You shouldn't be anything like the world. Okay, you are distinct, separate, and different, right? And so you are meant to stand out in the crowd right and so this is hard especially with your own friends and family to be considered different right because we all seek unity we're all built for the body of christ right and that's why it's so important to have unity in this group and the other believers that we know and love because listen guys it'll get harder as time goes on especially like wait till the next virus is released probably marburg's right where there's a mortality rate of 15 to 50 percent 
right? And then you're still not taking a vaccine and you're still trying to do it the godly way and trust Jesus Christ, right? Imagine what it's going to be like when you're all your friends and family are crying to you to do these things and to rebel. And then eventually it'll be to take the mark, right? And then if you have to be the only one in your entire people group or family that stands up and says, uh-uh, I ain't doing it. I trust God. I trust Jesus. We're not going this route. Right. So you have to prepare yourself with this knowledge that you you guys are special, unique, different, peculiar, not of this world. Right. These are the things the Bible calls you. We're all separated. Right. And so we have to get used to this. Get to the, get in the mindset. OK. We're not here to be cool, accepted or part of the crowd. We're here to stand out, be the light, be different and be the remnant. OK. Amen. And so let's get that in our heads. And that way, when the time comes, it will be super much better for us because we have already practiced it in our daily life, right? Okay, uh, the top of page three, beyond this world. What more shall I say? For the time shall fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and also David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in fight, turned to fight flight the armies of the strangers women received their dead raised to life again and others were tortured not accepting deliverance that they might attain a better resurrection and others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings yes more of bonds and imprisonments they were stoned they were sold in two they were tempted they were slain in the sword they were wa uh, wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins being destitute afflicted and tormented the world was not worthy of them they wandered in the desert, mountains and dens, and caves of the earth. And these all, having attained a good report through faith, did not receive the promise. For God has provided some better things for us, that we should not be made perfect, uh, be made perfect without us. Hebrews eleven thirty-two through forty. So right beyond this world, not of this world, right? That you guys are so separated. And uh, let me try to find the exact wording here. Not worthy of them. The world was not worthy of you, right? So we have to say right now that, like, you know, Adam, Joanna, April, Sarah, Adam, of course, uh, Daniel, Angel, you guys, the world is not worthy of you, okay? You are special. You are unique. It's not worthy of you. It's not worthy of me. Why? Because we have overcome the world through faith in Jesus Christ. We are beyond it. We're beyond this world now, right? We, we are at a different level, a different plane. We love the people in the world. We want them saved, right? But the point is, is you have to know your true spiritual position so you're not so willing to give it up to please the world, yeah. right? And so you have been exalted, right? The world is not worthy of you, not worthy of me. They want to convince you you're not worthy of them because they know the truth. They know they're defeated, they know the devil is defeated, right? They know that the battle is the Lord's. He has won, and we will become victorious. But if we look at this line of all the stuff these people went through, they put their faith, right, into trusting God. And that's the example we're given. So we might go through some things in life, but it doesn't matter. We have overcome the word. We're not worthy of this. This place is not worthy of us, right? And so our presence here is the blessing. That's what people don't get, is that like they want to attack Christians, but it's the Christian's presence in a town, in a city, in a group, in a, in a company that is bringing the blessings of God for that person, right? And so if they want to push out all the Christians, Right. Countries want to do it. Businesses want to do it. They're actually shooting themselves in the foot. Right. Because with the Christian goes the blessing because the Christian is the conduit for God to work within that group. Right. And in that town and in that city. 
right? And so this is one of the reasons why I think it's going to get so bad at the end of time is because that when the persecution starts and they start killing off the Christians, right? Right? That's when the blessing is starting to get removed because those are the light right? in the darkness. Those are the people that are there to help make change and bring good things from God and help facilitate repentance, right? The body of Christ, right? And so when this happens, it's not going to be a good thing. So just know if it starts happening to you in your life, mm-hmm. you have overcome the world. The world's not worthy of you. Right? We have overcome the world through Jesus Christ, okay? So next one righteous people. The sun will uh, no more be your light by day, nor the brightness of the moon given light to you. But Jehovah will be uh, to you for everlasting and your God in your glory. Your sun will be no more go down, nor your moon withdraw, for Jehovah will be your everlasting light, and the days of your mourning will be ended. Your people will also be righteous. They will inherit the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, so that I may be glorified. A little one will become a thousand, and a small one a strong nation. I, Jehovah, will hasten it in its time. Isaiah 60, 19-22, right? So here's God says it's a prophecy that you are going to be righteous. You have the righteousness of Christ, right? You are going to be made righteousness when the glorified body that you're going to be given, right? And so you will have imparted righteousness through Christ at the resurrection. You'll become righteous, right? And then you will stand with God forever. And so this is what's at stake here. So if we can't learn to walk away from the world and the way the world does things now, the, we talked about rebellion. Let's say you're being robbed, right? You're being taken from. You don't realize you're being raped spiritually by the devil and you think you like it because the world has told you this is what the world likes and this is what you should like too don't do it it's not worth it look at what is at stake look at your position and calling look at god has given you look how high and exalted you've become right so why are we gonna so willy-nilly lay back down such a huge blessing that cost the life of his son jesus christ spit in his face and say, no, I still want to do it the way the world wants to do it. It makes no sense. What an insult, right? And so these people, like we read in the very beginning, get depart from me. I know you not. Those are the people spitting in God's face. They're striding a fence. They want to say they believe in Jesus because they give them the warm fuzzies and the pastor lies to them and tells them everything's all right and they don't have to do anything. And they put one hand in the foot in the world and they do all their adultery and fornication and abortions, all this crazy stuff that they do. And they they forsake his commandments to get up in their job, right, and to get all the worldly goods. And so they're splitting themselves in two, right? They're being a double-minded way, double-minded man. The Bible says double-minded man is unstable in all in all of his ways right and jesus says you know you have to put both hands to the plow in other words you don't put one hand to the plow and look back is what he says you know and so we don't do this right so as christians we're not called to be half-hearted lukewarm right at the very beginning of the bible study where i put the lukewarm right i took it out but it was the way i was feeling out at the moment i put lukewarm meat sacks and I was like, well, that might have been a little harsh. <laughs> but that's what it really is. They're just, they're, they're meat sacks. I mean, they're not fulfilling their calling in life, right? Their spirit is harnessing a body to fornicate and sin and do all the evil things in the world and turn their back against God and greed and gluttony and stuff, right? It's, and not fulfilling their purpose. So basically, they're placeholders for nothing. I mean, don't be that way. You have a, a calling. We all have a calling. And we have an inheritance is way bigger than what... 
you know, the world is going to have, mm-hmm. right? They're getting the hot spot. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's like a Wi-Fi hot spot to hell. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and so we don't want that. So it's next one. Worthy, children of God. Answering, Jesus said to them, "The sons of this world, uh, the sons of this world, marry and are given in marriage. But they who uh, shall be counted worthy to obtain that world, and the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor given in marriage, nor can they die any more, for they are equal to the angels and are the sons of God, being the sons of the resurrection." Right? Luke twenty thirty four through thirty six. So worthy, children of God. Next one. But faith coming, we are no longer under a trainer, for you are also sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as were baptized into Christ Jesus, you put on the Christ. There cannot be Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Galatians 3, 25-29. So you are called worthy and children of God. Right? Worthy and children of God. Don't, I mean, so right now, as faithful, saves, commandment-keeping Christians who obey God, these are your titles. The devil knows these titles. If he knows these titles apply to you, he knows you. I promise you that. But he, he wants to convince you and neuter you from the authority you have and keep you from going all in, right? They're like, I, like when we started this ministry uh, with, you know, me and Melissa, and uh, we decided that, okay, we're, we're making this happen. I told Melissa it felt like the equivalent of jumping off a cliff without a backpack, trusting that before you hit the ground, God will grab you and put one on your back. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what it felt like because you have to get to the point where I don't know how it's going to end. That's right. That's right. Every day, we don't. Mm-hmm. That's how we live our lives every day. Right. And you have to be willing to be that way. That's right. And to say, I don't care where I'm going. I just want to go with you. You know, I want to go with you, Jesus. I want to go with you, God, wherever that leads. It's not what I want. Because, like, one of the things I always wanted for my family was to grow up in a house. I grew up in so many houses. I moved almost every, literally every year of my life, many times, multiple times in a year, right? So it's just something I never had as a kid. And I, I desperately wanted that for my children, which is a natural inclination, right? Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things I had to put down because there's no guarantee I'll keep my house. I know God will be with me. We'll have a place to stay. I know that. Right? But at the same time, I can't let that become an idol. It's it's still a desire of mine. I still pray about it. You know? But at the same time, I have to be willing to go, not my will, your will be done. Right? And and just say, okay, let's do this thing. And trust that God is going to take better care of my family than I can. Mm -hmm. You know? Because how much am I actually doing for my family? Nothing. Because it's God who gives the ability to produce wealth. Right? Mm -hmm. So all of it's an illusion. Everything you have in your life, I promise you, it's like the Matrix. It's an illusion. You think you work so hard for it. It's God who gives you the ability to work so hard for it. You think you sacrifice so much. It's God who's given you the ability to sacrifice. Right? And so what happens is is people get in their minds that everything they have, they have built, which is a lie. And then they're willing to turn their back on the God who actually gave them the ability to do it. Mm -hmm. To continue to try to retain from the world its goods. Don't do that. That's bad, right? No, he'll just give you what you need, what you ask for that he knows you need. If right. you're asking, Lord, do I need this, he'll provide the finances for it, just like this last week. Amen. Awesome, and it's exactly what I need. Right, and God cares. God wants to bless and prosper and stuff, but I promise you there's going to be a period where he's going to have to break down the walls you've built mm-hmm. up for That's yourself. Right. 
You know, just like he's been doing in my life, it's even good. to this day. I'm sorry. No, it's, go ahead. What I learned for myself, I had to come to a point because I knew I had one foot in the world and one foot to the Lord. But I leaned more towards the Lord, and I had to go all in. But I had to ask him, because he will not do this without our permission. Right. Take my layers off that are keeping me from you. Right. Take all this away that, that is hindering me from you. And I'm telling you what, the changes that came over my life were drastic, extreme. And every time it did, it hurt like crazy. And I saw what God was doing, and I'm like, wow, this is extreme. Because he asked me before I even... After I asked him, I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, Are you sure about this? Because this is going to be harsh. Right. Do or die. Amen. That's the whole thing. Do or die. Don't be lukewarm. So it's just asking him to take those layers off. But you've got to be willing to sacrifice big time when you ask God to remove something. Because he can't do anything without our permission in our life. Now, there are things that he's made promises to be as a child of his, but when it comes to our direct choices over the things that we do that influence us and the things that have influenced us, if we don't remove the things that are still influencing us that keeps us away from him, he can't just jump in and say, okay, yeah, he'll put reminders there, scriptures, that's why he wants us to read his word. He'll even let your friends know, you know, pray for her, talk to her about this, Sometimes if you're all on your own, sometimes you have to just go through it and find out, man, I really messed up. Yeah, I think uh, one thing you want to say, because, you know, the Bible says God chastises those he loves, you know. And so you want to avoid the situation where um, you've ignored God so long and his, you're not letting his goodness bring you to repentance, like the Bible says. That yeah, that he starts breaking your legs and starts not literally spiritually. That's why I, that's how I pray. I say, God, please don't break my legs. Let your goodness bring me to repentance. I pray that all the time. Promise you that. You know, because I know there's two ways to two two ways to do this. It's the easy way. I want the easy way or the tough way. Oh, the tough way is horrible. Right, and so I don't want the tough way. I want the easy way. And so uh, I just pray like God. I'm like I'm here. Uh, patience with me, but at the same time, you know, let you know, let's do it the easy way. And so, and uh, does that answer your question, uh, Sarah? Yeah, because you told me I have to be specific. You do, yes. Mm -hmm. Be specific in your prayers. And that way, you know, you can get specific answers to your prayers. All right, you guys ready? Top of page four. Chosen royal priesthood, holy nation. Okay. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people... For possession, so that you might speak of the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are then, uh, you who then were not a people, but now the people of God. Those not pitied then, but now pitied. Dearly beloved, I exhort you as temporary residents and pilgrims. I love that. Temporary residents and pilgrims to abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct Honest among the nations, which they uh, speak against you as evildoers, they may glorify God in the day of His visitation, seeing your good works. First Peter two nine through twelve. Mm -hmm. So there's like, let's see, uh, chosen generation, royal priesthood, holy nation, a possession. You know, called out of darkness. You know, you're now in His marvelous light. You know, and so these are all very like wonderful things to be called, right? And so what is Peter doing here? He's building them up. 
right? He's like saying, listen, guys, these are all the things that you are. Remember this. So anyways, what is Peter doing here? He's encouraging them, right? He puts two layers here. He's like, these are all the things you are, right? And then he says, because you're these things, remember, you don't belong to this place. You're like in a rental, right? You're temporary residents. You're just pilgrims. This isn't even your homeland. You're passing through here. This isn't it for you guys, right? And then he goes on one step Larry He says, abstain from fleshly lust, right? So what does he do? He says, These, this is who you are. This is your calling. This is what God calls you. Then he reminds them, hey guys, listen, you don't belong to this place, right? You're just renting. You're passing on through. And then he puts a demand on them, right? What does it say? Abstain from fleshy lust, which war against the soul, right? And so I love this. This is how the gospel should be preached. This is who you are. This is what you are. This is what you should do or not do, right? This is the gospel, right? And so we need to remember this. So we're going through this list. These are the things the Bible says you are, right? And then reminding we're not of this world. And then let's move on down the road, people, and stop doing the things that the world's do, you know, and giving into the pleasure of the flesh, right? Okay, next one, Mark. Hmm. Marked. And the glory of God, the God of Israel had gone on from the cherub where it was on it. To the threshold of the house, and he called them clothed in linen, with the rider's inkhorn by his side. And Jehovah said to him, Go through the midst of the city, in the midst of Jerusalem, set a mark on the foreheads of the men who are groaning and are mourning, uh, moaning because of all the abominations that are done in her midst. Ezekiel 9, 3 through 4. We know this story. It's about the destruction and the worship of idols, right? So I promise you, this is going on now, which we'll, I'll prove to you in the next verse, right? But these people were marked, right? We talked about it before. They didn't even know they're getting marked. But because they were crying out, God, and saying, this is wrong, this is bad. They were talking about it in their own household. Like, what is going on in this world, right? God is listening. He's hearing all those things. And he walks by and goes, boom, you're marked. Boom, 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 right? And you want one of those booms, right? You don't get boom, that's a problem, you know? <laughs> and so, boom, like, we do a boop in my family. I do it to my kids. They go, boop. You know, their nose, boop their nose, and they go, boop, you know. So you want, you want God to go, boop, you know, and you're good. You're marked, right? And so we want to be that way. Next one, sealed, right? It's going on now. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Do not hurt the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads, Revelation 7, 2 through 3, right? So the Bible calls you sealed, right? You're marked. In other words, God is putting something on you to separate you out of the world, the wheats and the, cha uh, the chaffs, you know, and, you know, the tares, and then the sheeps and the goats, right? So right now, I believe it's happening now. God's going around going, you're mine, you're mine. Nope, sorry, you're not mine. Next one, you're mine, you know. Right, and so the devil knows this. He knows who's getting sealed, right? And I think I've told you guys about this. I had a friend who was in a Christian band, and they would play songs with secular uh, or concerts with secular groups. And there's this one satanic band who wouldn't even come into the building until they left <laughs> because they knew. And they said they walked into the place to go play. And they said it was a horrible experience. But they walked into the place to play and there's people making out. And they said they turned and looked at them and all their faces disfigured. Because they were demons and they were filled with demons. Right? And so, you, they, the, believe me, I promise you, like there's this one guy uh, on this uh, ministry where they go around 
Uh, I think it's World Ventures. But anyways, they talked about where they were going to see witch doctors and stuff in this town. And this one witch doctor, now Krishna said, I could see your light before you came. <laughs> what they were seeing was God on him, mm-hmm. right? But the, this guy in the spirit realm saw th- that this guy was the light of the world, just like we all are, right? Coming to him. And because he saw this light on this man, he's accepted Jesus. He's like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I want that. You know? And so right now, I promise you, the devil knows. When the Bible says you're a light of the world and you'd be brighter than the stars, it's real. It's not like some beautiful figure of speech. You're literally a light bulb in the in the spirit realm, okay? And you're, where you go has an effect, and what you do has an effect. Right. You know, and so we see this, you know, in scripture about how like Noah was saved. He was righteous amongst his generations. God wasn't going to destroy it because there was a righteous man in it. Mm-hmm. So what he had to do is like, well, I have to get him out before I do this because I will not destroy a righteous man. <clears throat> right. And, and you see the same the same favor given to Lot because of Abraham's righteousness. Mm-hmm. He's like, listen, we can't do this until you're out of here. Right. And so this is happening to you guys. This is happening to me. Right. So you're being sealed. You're being marked. You're being set aside. You're being made different. There's something in the spirit realm that says, no, this one's good. Leave it alone. Right. But the devil knows that. And so when persecution comes, those are the ones that you're going to seek out, you know. And so but here's the thing. We get the better ending. Okay. Praise God. What's the next one? And they were commanded not to hurt the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those who men who did not have the seal of God in their foreheads. And to get, uh, to them it was given that they should not kill them, but they should be tormented five months. And their torment was like scorpion's torments when he stings a man. And in those days men will seek death and will not find it. And they will uh, long to uh, die, and death will flee from them. Revelation nine four through six. So you see, the plagues and the and the wrath being poured out upon the sinners cannot touch a righteous person. We're righteousness. We have righteousness by faith in Jesus Christ. Our obedience affirms our righteousness, right, and proves our love for God, right. We don't. We can't earn righteousness, right. But we prove our righteousness by being, uh, you know. Let me rephrase that. We have a personal righteousness, but the righteousness that saves is the righteousness of Jesus Christ and faith in Him, right. You have a personal righteousness on how you conduct your life that matters but it does not it cannot save you because it's only through jesus christ but now that you are saved now that you are aligning with god now you obey to prove your salvation right i am saved and this is how i prove it he said i love jesus well this is how you prove the bible clearly says it so you love me keep not commandments you're a liar right and so we can't do these things and have these blessings if we don't have the righteousness that is through faith in jesus christ right and so that righteousness allows you that protection that ceiling right and and so what is the response if it's god's goodness that brings us to repentance the response is to go ahead and go and praise god and do the things that bring glory to his name right and that lift him up all right praise god God. daniel you with us i'm here okay hated and the gospel must be proclaimed to all the nations but whenever they lead you away and deliver you up take no thought of her hand what you should speak or think but speak whatever shall be given to you in that hour for it is not you who speaks but the holy spirit and the and a brother will portray a brother to death and the father his son and children will rise up against their parents will cause them to be put to death and will be hated by all for my name's sake but he enduring to the end, that one will be kept safe or saved. Mark 13, 10 through 13. Safe from what? Safe from God's wrath. Safe from punishment. Safe from hell. Not safe from persecution. Not safe from going through trials and tribulations. Jesus promises that, right? So Jesus says, here's one of the things that's put on you guys. You are hated. 
right? So the said, you're going to be hated by all nations for my namesake, okay? For not mine, Jesus. And so what happens here is if you're trying to run around and make yourself loved by the same people that God says you're going to be hated by, you are in rebellion against God. That's right. Right? You can't reach Remember across. they hated me for my namesake first. Oh, yeah. And yeah, exactly. And so we are going to be in opposition to the world. We're not meant to be liked by them. We're meant to set examples, right? To be a light, to be a a living representation of God on earth, because that's what Jesus was. And that's what you're supposed to be, right? You're there to be an ambassador, to be the bridge, right? To help people get home and to bring children into God's kingdom. That's our calling, right? And so when we do this, we have to understand we're not here to make people like us. Don't ever try to make people like you. You're there to make God like you, to make God proud of you, to make God happy, right? But here's the thing. If you do it God's way, here's what's going to happen. People will eventually like you. They'll look at your testimony. They'll look at you that you're a person without guile and you don't lie and that you're always trustworthy, right? I I saw this thing in, um, in China in the persecuted church. The Chinese government loves Christians in prisons because they're honest, hard workers. They don't take bribes. They don't steal. They don't lie. They're like perfect citizens. And there's testimonies where these guards will get all upset almost to tears when they leave because they they can't trust anybody else in the prison other than the Christians. So usually when a Christian comes to prison in China, they're given the, the highest positions of authority over like taking care of goods or distributing food or anything that takes character. Right? And so that is a testimony, right? That you are different. Now, if they went in there and they started taking bribes and acted like everybody else, that tor- that testimony goes to, you know, goes bye-bye. Right? But because they remain faithful and, and do the things that please God, the things that got them in the prison in the first place, mm-hmm. right? It still sets a testimony. So people are being witnessed to in prison because of people's faithfulness, right? They probably would never get the gospel. So they might be hated. You might be hated, but there's going to come a day that they will admire you. I promise you. They might still try to destroy you, but there'll be something in them that makes them so jealous of what you are. Mm-hmm. Because they want it too, but they just don't know how to get there. And they don't know how to grasp it, and they're not willing to lay down anything in this life to get there. But they they admire, Right? You know, and so my mom once told me, he's like, Lance, not everybody likes you, but everybody respects you. I was like, well, that's a good compliment. I'll take it. They don't have to like me. You know, I'm not here to make them like me, you know, but if I can gather some respect from them, then they know what I'm saying means something, even if they disagree. Right. So I put this one right up next. This is the top of page five under remembered. Okay. And so this one goes with the last one. Okay. Blessed is the Lord. The God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophet for eternity, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Boom! To perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham that he would grant to us, that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our lives. Luke 1, 68. 
through 75, right? So that's a prophet saying this, right? And so for, delivered out of the hand, out of all who hate us, so we can live, right? And do those things that please him. That is the whole goal. God has not forgotten you in your, in your suffering. God has not forgotten you in the persecution. God has not forgotten you in your sacrifice, you know? But a lot of times when God can see the beginning from the end, he knows your whole entire journey and we're stuck in the very present and we don't know what's going on, it can seem overwhelming. But what really we have to do is get out of our own perspective and trust that God knows everything. He knows the big picture, right? And he knows how this is all playing out. And it might not be what we want at the time, but it'll be what we need to get where he wants us to go. Okay. And so God has remembered us. Next one, God's treasure. Then those fearing Jehovah or Yahweh spoke together, each man to his neighbor, and Jehovah listened to it and heard. And a book of remembrance was written before him for those who feared Jehovah or Yahweh, and for those esteeming his name, and they shall be mine, says Jehovah of hosts. For today I will make up my treasure. I will pity them as a man has pity on his son who serves him. Then you shall again see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between him who serves God and him who does not serve him. Malachi 3, 16 through 18, right? So it says we're God's treasure, right? And they put in a book of remembrance, right? And so the, we understand that what we have to do here is be that one that wants to be remembered, right? In that way, we can be part of that treasure. So imagine this. You have a part in this, right? So if you are crying out, right? If you are esteeming God's name, if you're doing the things that are pleasing him, think of it as a stock market. You're up in your stock, right? If you're, if God is always hearing from Joanna, Joanna, if God's always hearing from you and you're praying to him, right? Or April, Adam, anybody, right? What's going on here? You're being remembered. You're being like, okay, they're consistent, right? Here's one thing I've learned about prayer, right? If I pray for somebody every single night, my prayer for their health or healing has more authority when the moment comes. Right. You know, like I pray for my mom. I don't talk to her, but I, I still pray for her every single night. When I was talking to her one time, I was praying for her, and out of nowhere, I, I don't even know why, I just started, I, I had no control of the words, I just started praying for her bones and that God would heal, heal the bone marrow. Mm -hmm. Just out of the blue, right? And I was like, I don't know why I said that, but we're, I'm going to go with you, and I kept praying, right? Mm -hmm. Well, like a couple of days later, she went to the doctor and found out she was, bone, was having bone marrow issues. Wow. You know, and so that's God honoring your constant presence, your constant, you know, voice being heard before his throne for your family, for your loved ones. Right. To do those things that you're constantly like, God, I'm in. I'm with you. I, I don't stop talking to you. You know, and so when the time comes, when the moment comes, when the need hits. Right. You're you have place you have standing before god because you have been faithful right god will remember that you are his treasure and you need to put that in your heart you know that you are special to god you are important to god right and he's trying to pull us out of the world get us into his way of doing things so we can be pleasing in his sight right all right next one Sought after, for Yahweh's eyes run back and forth throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards him. Second Chronicles 16.9. We talked about this earlier, that God is going around, stamping people, sealing, right? But he is searching. He's searching today. He'll search tonight, tomorrow. He keeps searching, right? Because he wants children. He wants those who will love him and worship him, who he can bestow his blessings upon and show himself mighty on their behalf, right? But what does this take, right? Well, let's look at the next verse. Obedience, right? 
And so it takes obedience. So we are called obedient. He, in the days of his flesh, having offered up prayer and petitions, was strong crying and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and having heard from his godly fear, though he was son, yet learned obedience by the things which he suffered, having been made perfect, became all to all of those who obey him, the author of eternal salvation, named by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Hebrews 5, 7 through 10, right? I love this part. And he became to all those who obey him the author of eternal salvation. So what does it take? It's obedience, right? You want to be sought after? You want God to hear your prayers? You want to be sealed? We've talked about it so much, but it's like the, the linchpin to everything we talk about is that if you want everything God has to offer, you have to give him everything you are. You know, and that's what it is. That's the great exchange. You want to lay down yourself to get what God will provide, right? And so, and ultimately, it's to love him, right? To be with him, to fellowship with him, to exalt him, to let him know that there's a part of his creation that desires him, right? And so we want that. Spiritual house. You also, as living stones, are built upon as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2, 5. Next one. But Christ is faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are, if we hold fast our confidence in the glory of our hope firm to the end. Hebrews 3, 6. Right? So a holy priesthood, you're a spiritual house. You're the... Next one will be the temple of God, right? And so you are this beautiful creation that God has put all these labels and patches on. Right? And he says, this is what you are. Right? And so what we have to remember, like... I always tell my kids, I'm like, every chance I can, or like girls, I'm like, I always tell the girls and my wife, you're pretty. That's important for a girl. And I tell them, it's like, I tell my sons, you're strong and handsome, you know, and, I, and, and smart, you know, and I do these things to keep building them up. I'm putting labels on them, right? As Christ is, and Jesus is putting labels on them, I put them on like, you are my son, you are my child, you are mine. You know, and I, I pray over them every night, you know, and I say a special blessing over them. I tell them that you're wanted, you're needed, you're loved very much. Right. What am I doing? I am reaffirming them in the spirit realm, right? In their minds, in their hearts, and in the spirit realm. I am claiming, boom, you're mine, right? The devil can't have you. You're mine, right? So they're going to hear this all their life. I belong to my dad. Right. I belong to him. He, we are one. We're, we're in a group. Right. And so they don't have to go about life trying to find meaning and purpose and unity and, and confidence and, you know, all these, you know, because they're given. It's been given to them spiritually, you know, just like with my daughter. She's 12. I hug and kiss my daughter and tell her I love her. I hold my hands. People look like we're weirdos because I were out in public holding hands and they think I just robbed a cradle. She's my daughter. I'm like, you guys are so sexually perverse. You can't let a dad hold his daughter's hand. I mean, they look so wacko at me. I'm like, get out of my face. You know, I was like, here's what you want me to do. You don't want me to hug my daughter and kiss her and give her affection. So you can have some little perverted boy come and destroy your life. That's right. That's what you want. But see, I know better. Right? So as dads, we keep our hands on our daughters to keep men's hands off of them. Mm -hmm. Right? So that gives them confidence in their spirit and their soul that they're loved. They're worth something. They have value. Right? And they're not going to go out to another dude and try to find the same thing that their dad never gave them. Mm -hmm. Right? And so this is what God is doing to us. He's putting all this, all these things on us, putting on our heads and, you know, boop, boop, bap, bap, smack, smack. Here's a sticker, you know, as my son says, gray dots. But, uh. You know, and so what he's doing that to reaffirm to you guys, these are, and this is not all of them, it's some of them, you know, that this is what you are to me. You are mine. 
You're sealed. You're mic'd. You're called. You're peculiar. You're strange. You're unique. You're meant to be, right? Be Have full confidence of this. This is what you want. Don't try to be anything else than what I'm telling you you are, and you're going to be just fine, okay? And so right here, Temple of God, top of page six. Don't you know that you are the temple of God and that God's spirit lives in you? 1 Corinthians 3.16. Are you willing to be all these things and dedicate your life fully to God? Or are you still trying to see what you can get away with? We cannot try to steal blessings from God in the favor of the world. Both hands must be to the plow. This does not take days, years, or decades. It takes one moment of clear decision-making ability. Either one, I choose God, I choose God in obedience, or I love the world more than God. Right? We all have to make that choice and we have to make it every day. Our actions reveal our choice. So let's save our words, right? It doesn't matter what comes out of our mouths, right? It matters what we do. You know, we can make a confession of faith, but if our actions don't back it up, who cares? It's like the parable about the two uh, uh, servants where one said, yes, I'll do it. And the other one said, no, I won't do it. The one who said yes, walked away and didn't do it. And the one who said no, walked away and did do it. And Jesus said, who did the master's will? Well, it's the one who up front said no, but I actually went around and got it, got it done, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. our words matter, but not as much as what those words lead to. Mm-hmm. If, our, if our words align with our actions, perfect. That's what we want, okay? Mm-hmm. But if our words do not align up with our actions, we're wasting everyone's time, right? We're wasting God's time, each other's time. It's just find something else to do, really? Because that's, I mean, what's the point? <laughs> I mean, there's no point. I mean, if you're going to serve God, you're not going to serve God, okay? Mm-hmm. It's easy. Right. But a lot of people in churches, because they want to keep their big buildings and stuff like that, they have to have people in it. So they give nice sermons and makes people give money, you know, and they can keep their lifestyle. But I promise you, if you preach a sermon like this and half the church leaves, man, they're going to freak out. But no, that's what you want. What did Jesus always do? He always came in to separate and to challenge. Look in scripture. He was constantly just hammering people, right, to get people to make a decision. Am I going to be with God or am I going to go to the world? You're going to do this, you're going to do that. And he's just, I mean, constant. Even John the Baptist, I mean, all of them actually. But, you know, that was the whole point. You got something? No, I was just picturing all of those people and all that situation. Right, because he even got down to the end where Jesus offended so many people and said to his disciples, Are you going to leave me too? Right? And they're like, yeah, where, where can we go, Lord? <laughs> you know, you have the words of truth, you know? And so we have to get to that point where it's like, you know, let's not waste God's time. Let's not waste each other's time. Let's decide. Are we going to serve God and just jump off the cliff and do it? Or are we just kind of, eh, we're just kind of, you know, one hand to the power and play games with God and each other? You know, that's not what God wants. God wants a surefire rock solid in stone conviction in your heart that God I'm doing it your ways I might fail I might struggle I might you know want to turn back once or twice but I'm going to stick with you and we're going to make this happen and and that's all it takes and we can make that decision right now that's right isn't that the choice you make when you get baptized it should be it should be but believe me what's that I feel like anybody who got baptized has already made that choice and has already said yes. Yes, but then it takes the action of follow-through, okay? And so unlike you, Sarah, that's getting some good teaching on the subject, most people, they don't even get any discipleship. They get baptized, and then they just go about their lives. And they fall back and, into the world. Right, and they go back to their old lifestyle. Nothing changes for them. They're not taught that, listen, you're committing your life to God. Like you have given up self-control to God. Mm-hmm. God is now your master. 
the you know. The Holy Spirit has a way of drawing us back, even for young Christians. Right. Oh, yeah. You belong to the Lord, and He sees that there's no one discipling you. He will send, even He'll send angels. Right. To to minister the gospel to you to teach right. you. It's so funny. I read in my to your point. I read in my devotion this morning. Richard Warmbrand, the guy who did uh, uh, Voice of the Martyrs, mm-hmm. he said when he was put in down where there was no windows, no light, all alone, in order to keep from going insane, he would get up and recite sermons in the dark, complete dark, and just and then make a new sermon and recite it out loud and make a new sermon and recite it out loud. You know, and so he just kept preaching and preaching. Well, check this out. He wrote a book uh, uh, about that, and he got letters in for people and said, I was all alone and no one to teach me the gospel. And he said, and all of a sudden, I heard these sermons being preached to me. Whoa. Right. And he's like, I had no idea until I read your book. And, and from what this says is like, he got letters like that from all over the world. So he was in a dark cell preaching the gospel to no one, he thought, you know, just so he wouldn't go insane. But God, like you said, used angels, the Holy Spirit, to transfer that message to the people that desperately needed it. You know? That's so cool. No, it's you belong to him, I will never leave you or forsake you. Right. And he is not going to let someone slide into a dark place again because they accepted him and there was nobody there to harvest him. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Now, we can walk away from God, but you're right. If they have a true heart and they want to know God, he won't give up on them. You know, but like some people come in half-hearted, you know, and become castaways, as Paul says, you know, and so we can have confidence that God is willing. Are you willing? If you're willing, God is willing. If you've been called, God is willing, obviously, because you've been called, you know, and so we just don't give up the confidence that God wants us, you know, and I've had times where I was like, yeah, yeah and struggling with sin, you know, and I just decided I wasn't going to give up on God, you know, and I think we all have to give to that point that come hell or high water, I'm not giving up on God. Mm-hmm. You know, and even if I don't understand things, even if I, none of it makes sense to me, if even if I hurt and life, life is a terrible mess, which is has been at times, you know, that we don't give up on him, Amen. you know. And so it takes a childlike faith to just say, hey, God, I'm with you wherever this goes. But, yeah, so to your point, it's pretty awesome that the sermons were put out there. Anyways, uh, next one. Then Jesus said to the disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life or soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man came in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will render to everyone according to their deeds or works. Matthew 16, 24 through 27, right? And that's the whole purpose. Okay, so we're doing what Peter did. I told you what God has said about you, right? And, and help us remember that we're not of this world. We're passing through. And so Peter was like, don't give it to your fleshly lust. Well, here's Jesus saying, listen, if you guys want to try to keep your old lifestyle and do the things you used to do and have all the things you used to have, then you're wasting God's time, right? You're wasting your time because you're not going to get salvation out of that. You have turned your back on God and you're going to the hot place eventually because you have not committed yourself to the, the king of glory, right? And it takes a firm, full commitment. It's not, you know, when the Bible says work out your salvation with fear of trembling, right? It's not a light thing. It's not this passing, fleeting, like, okay, I have my life and I have, it's like plus one. You know, I have my life plus one. So I have my life plus God, you know, and so I'm going to fit God into every area I possibly feel comfortable in, but I'm not going to let him touch certain areas because that's mine. So what you did is you build up an idol wall for the rest of your life, 
right? And you're keeping him from it. No, that's not how it works. He's Lord of your life, over all, all things, right? Become, you know, your life, your finances, your friends, your house, your relationships, everything. It, it's all God's, right? And so we don't get to t- hold back. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't get to say, well, you can have 99%. I'm keeping the one, you know, not just, just a prop. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, you get yourself in trouble. So what does it mean? You have to lay all things down. You don't seek to save your life. You don't seek to save your old life. You accept the new one that has been given to you. And see, with this kind of faith, with this type of realization, this is what's going to get you through the end times. Because if you're being... St- sold a bill of goods that health, wealth, prosperity, nothing bad thing will ever happen to you. I promise you, most of these people are going to lose their faith when bad things start happening. Right. Cause they're going to feel rejected by God. Where are you, God? Why aren't you here with me? He's like, well, I never told you all this stuff. You've been listening to the liars, you know? And so if we can understand that what it really takes is laying down everything, accepting Jesus Christ and whatever he provides as the good shepherd, that will get you through the end times. That will get you through persecutions and tribulations and loss and darkness and stuff. Because our, our hope isn't in this life. Our hope is in the next life. It's not like best life now. It's best life forever. Right. And so if you want a best life now, then you go do what the world does, because that'll give you the best life now and you'll burn in hell. That's what's that's the truth. Right. But if you want your best life forever, go do what Jesus does. Deal with the cost. It's going to cost you. Following Jesus has a price. It has a huge price. Right. And so it's OK because God pays well. Right. He, you know, he will reward you a hundredfold press down overflowing this life and the next. But. You know, if we seek a wonder after life, we try to keep one finger in the pool and, you know, get what we can out of the world, then it's going to end in your ruin. I promise you that. So don't do that. Okay. Will you be the one? If you are all, uh, if you are all the things above, then the demons do know your name. So it is time to stop playing games with God and prepare for battle. Let's read. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil or the tricks. For our wrestling is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the world's rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, stand. Ephesians 6, 10-13. Right? And so, right now, guys, if you're a committed, fully, like 100%, it doesn't mean you're perfect. We're not talking about perfection. We're talking about 100% heart commitment that, God, I am yours. I might be broken. I might be frail. I might not always get it right, but I'll repent and I'll keep moving forward. That's what he requires, right? And if you're that, God, God knows your name. Jesus knows your name. And the devils know your name. Now, at the very beginning, it says, we serve a father who sends his children out to war. You are built for battle. You can't get get confused by trying to pleasure in the world and fight the world spiritually. It doesn't work that way. You're derelict in duty, right? You've gone AWOL, right? So if we fully put ourselves into servicing God and doing the things that he would have us to do and work for his glory and for his ministry, that means we have to turn our back on the world. That's the enemy. That's where all the demonic activity is. That's where all the victims are that we're trying to save out of the world, right? So we put on this armor. The devil knows your name. God knows your name. And now you're in the position you need to be to go make an influence, to go be a change in, around you, right? And to be a positive influence for those who want to come out of the world, right? But they, the, I promise you, God in the world needs people like you, like me, who are willing to do what's right. Uh, top of page seven. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. 
No soldier on duty entangles himself in the affairs of life, that he may please him who has enrolled him as a soldier. Also, if anyone competes in athletics, he isn't crowned unless he has competed by the rules. Second Timothy 2, 3-5. through five. So he does two things here. He says, listen, you're, you're like a soldier. So they understood this because Roman soldiers, it was death. You don't get out, you die, you know, and so you're either soldier for life and that's it, right? Or you fail in your duties, they kill you. I mean, that's what he's doing here. And at the end, he said, well, let's look at the athletics. So he's like, so this is who you are. You're a soldier of Jesus Christ. There's no way out of this but death, right? We all die, right? And some will be resurrected and some will be translated. But the point is this, you don't get out of it. And so, and the other thing is, is sports. He said, listen, guys, you want the championship trophy? You have to do it right. You have to play by the rules. Mm-hmm. So he's like, you're a soldier, play by the rules, get the benefit. What's the benefit? The crown is, you know, obviously an allusion to salvation, to immortality, right? That's the crown, the crown of immortality. And that's what he's getting at. So what do we have here? Don't get entangled. Be a good soldier. Put off the world. Do it lawfully. Play by the rules. Keep the commandments. I mean, duh, right? Get immortality. Mm-hmm. Well, that's easy enough. So basically what you're saying is there is no participation trophy in God's kingdom. <laughs> No. <laughs> no. God doesn't hand out toilet paper trophies. <laughs> yeah, that, that's awesome. No, that's funny. All right. Let's see. The don't. Don't give place to the devil. Ephesians 4.27. Right? Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God in whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Ephesians 4.30. So don't give a passive you know, entrance to the devil. That's like when we were really getting right with God, we got rid of all the movies that had premarital sex or nudity in them. Mm-hmm. We got rid of all the movies that had magic in them. Mm-hmm. We got all the, I mean, just go down the list. We're just like anything that was offensive to God, we're like mm-hmm. out of here, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, and I stopped playing games with cussing in him because I had a hard time stopping cussing, right? And so I now I don't. I'm just like, okay, it's not happening. Right, and so if they start cussing, it's either turn off or get rid of it. And so, what we do now is we focus on the things that please God. We don't grieve the Holy Spirit. So if the God, if the Holy Spirit is like, "Hey, don't do that," you just feel a check, like, "Yeah, it's kind of wrong." That's God being a gentleman. That's God being nice. That's God being kind. Like, come on, don't do that. And like the devil will just pound you into stuff. God draws you out because He wants it to be a growth process, right? He wants to change your spirit, not just dominate it. Right. And so he's gentle. And so he's just, come on, guys, come this way, you know. But when we go ahead and just put the kibosh on it, you know, and be like, uh-uh, I'm doing it anyways. Uh-uh, I'm doing it anyways. Right. You're going to wind up like Samson and not realize that the Spirit of God has left you. Right. And so we don't want to give place to the devil. Don't do the things that we know lead us into temptation or can cause us to sin. And if the Holy Spirit gives you a check, I'll give you an example about this today. I can't. I had to get gas on the way here today. I have gospel postcards I hand out. I, uh, there's an old man standing right there. I was getting in a car. I felt like God was like, give that man a postcard. I was like, OK, I'll do it when I come back out. He's like, do it now. I was like, yes, sir. <laughs> so I, I was like so i walked out there and i gave him a postcard you know what i didn't realize when i went in the pay and came out he was driving off i couldn't have done it when i thought i was gonna do it but i was like no you need to do it now he's an old man i walked outside the door and he waved at me he's like bye you know so who knows what was going on in that man's life you know Right, and maybe prevent him from doing something bad. And sometimes God does that to see how obedient we are. (laughs) Right, right, exactly. And so you just have to be willing to go, yes, Lord, or as a commanding officer, yes, sir, we're going to get this done. Mm 
-hmm. right? Because there's more going on. And one of the greatest lessons God ever taught me, not everything that goes on in my life is because of me or for my benefit. And if we can realize that sometimes things happen in our life has nothing to do with us. You could be doing everything perfect, right? But God is using your situation to affect another person, right? Or using you as an object lesson for another person. Exactly. You know, and so we, we don't get this victim mentality where I'm going through this, where I'm doing that. God, I thought I was doing everything right. What's going on here, right? No, throw it out of the water. You're a soldier. So sometimes you're marched to the front line told to run through the mud, you know, and crawl under the, the wire, you know, and charge him up the hill you know because you're a soldier of jesus christ it doesn't mean it's fun who knows who <laughs> that doesn't sound fun the training is not fun boot camp is not yeah fun. see the boot camp is not fun but if there's a purpose behind it right that you have now enlisted to be like jesus jesus did things obviously that like god was like you're doing this and jesus was like is there another way lord you know god you know we see that in the garden of gethsemane right not my will but your way but please let there be another way how did he not know that there was only one way he knew. What was that? That was his earthly side, his fleshly side coming out, going, I don't want to be separated from you, right? His spirit rising up and going, God, this will be the first time in history I will have been separated from you. Very painful for him, right? And he, so he's like, God, if there's another way. But he knew it had to be done. Mm -hmm. Now, let's say, did Jesus sin? No. Was this all about Jesus? No, because he was there to do it for us and for his father. Right. So God was using Jesus as an object lesson for us to get his will done so we can be with him. Jesus was willing. He's a great savior, great Lord, you know, and part of the plan of salvation. But we have to remember that Jesus willfully walked into a situation knowing that he did no evil. He did no wrong. He made no mistakes, but he was going to suffer severely for it. All for you, all for me. Now, are you willing to do that for other people? Right. Are you willing to suffer? Are you willing to go with do without? Right. Even those people are awful. Right. You know, and so if the answer is yes, then praise God. If the answer is no, then I would seriously search your heart because it needs to be yes, because that's what was done for you. That was done for me, you know, and so that is the example left to us. Right. And so we are, you know, for lack of a better description, we are a tool in the hand of an almighty God. Right. To go out and work his purpose. Right. And do things for him. But he pays well. He pays well. He doesn't even have to pay well. He pays well. Because not only does he give us immortality, but blessings in heaven forevermore. Right? And so it's not like there's not a reward in it. He's like, listen, guys, I'm going to have you guys do some things, especially like with the disciples. Hey, guys, all of you are going to be martyred. Besides maybe John. Right? All you're going to give your life for me. But guess what, guys? It'll be worth it. You know? And in the end, you'll agree. And one day we'll agree. We'll look back and go, God, man, I, I so much agree with you. You're absolutely right. Now that I see looking back, yes, you're right. Absolutely. So what does it take? It takes faith. It takes a willingness to go, I'll do that. You know, I don't know how it's all going to work out. I'll do it, you know, because we trust God. So let's read the last two verses and we'll pray. Warning, for it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb. The dog turns to his own vomit again, and the sow that has washed to wallow in the mire. Second Peter two twenty one through twenty two, meaning that they have to return and rejected God and turn back to their sin and to their old lifestyle. And and Peter said it would have been better for them to have never known, right? 
Next one. So then, my beloved brothers, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of a man doesn't produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting away all filthiness and overflowing of wickedness, receive with humility the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. But be doers of the word, and not only hearers, deluding your own self. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man looking at his natural face in a mirror. For he sees himself, and he goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of freedom and continues in, not being a hearer who forgets, but a doer of the work, this man will be blessed in what he does. James 1, 19 through 25. Right? So what is this saying to us? In other words, you guys know this. You, I have told you this. That you guys are all without excuse. I'm without excuse double time because I'm the one teaching it. Right? And so we all have to be aware that, listen, guys, we literally, we're on the hook now. Okay? God has expressed and showed us his will. He has welcomed us in and invited us into his kingdom, right? He has shown us the truth that most of the world will not know. What do we do with it now? And if we reject it and we don't commit to it, it said it would have been better for us not to know. Because if you've been called and rejected and your name blotted out of the book of life as in the book of Revelations, you're toast. How horrible will it be for any one of us? Right, So we literally have one option, like we talked last week. Rebellion is an illusion of choice. There is no choice. It's either live or die. That's it. I mean, so I choose life, right? That's the only real choice. If you want to save yourself, obey God. Mm-hmm. You want to do something in your best interest, obey God. You want to live forever, obey God. You want all of the blessings of heaven, obey God. Okay? That's the option. And so I pray that all of us will go back over this list some other time when we're not together. Reread all the things God says about you. Put all those stickers all over your heart and mind. Take it to heart, you know, and become God's coloring book and let him color all over you, whoever, who he says you are, right? And trust that and don't give up so easy. Don't give up to the world so easy. Don't give in to the world and don't do the things the world wants you to do. Because listen, guys, we're heading towards a time where it's going to get real bad. And if we don't prepare ourselves now, boot camp now, we won't be able to stand then. So don't don't avoid persecution. Embrace it. It's part of your walk. Okay? Tribulation. Try, try to avoid tribulation. It's part of your walk. If you're being a light for God and you have tribulation and persecution, praise God. You need it. Because guess what? It's going to train you. Right? And so it's going to train you to be a light. It's going to train you how to withstand the end times. Woe unto the person not being trained right now. Who aren't taking in and willingly invoking the training on their own. Right? So if we're not taking the time and opportunity to say, God, this is how it's done. I'm going to post stuff on Facebook. I don't care if everybody hates me. I don't care if I get pushback. I'm going to tell my friends, my family. I don't care. Listen, you have to start now. I promise you. I had a friend who mistakenly told me he was going to wait till it got really bad and then start serving the Lord. I'm like, no, Jesus said there comes a time where no man can work. Right? When it becomes too dark. We have to work now while there is yet day. Why is yet light? That's right. You know, so engage now. Because there might be a point where we don't get to do this. Right. We don't get to edify the body of Christ. We don't get to share between all of us here. There may not be a podcast. There may not be, and that's what's reaching. Right. We may not be allowed to cross the street and talk to our neighbors. Right. And so you guys need to, uh, encouragement, download the podcast. You got something, Daniel? When the Lord calls you by name, heed to it. Amen. When the Lord calls you by name, take heed to it. Amen. Let's pray. 
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this teaching today. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit and directing and guiding us. Help us to forsake this world and it's all going to burn. It doesn't matter. You give us good things. You give us nice things to bless us, but let it not be an idol in our hearts. Let us be willing at all times to walk away from everything for the, your glory and that we can exalt you and never deny you. And it will be said of our names in heaven forever that we never denied you. And we love you very much. And uh, thank you for being with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 They're always cold. How miserable for a person to know the fruits of the Holy Spirit and then turns away. Right. How miserable. Oh, yeah. Daniel said, how miserable for someone to know the fruits of the Holy Spirit and turn away. Definitely. Right. They, they agreed. <laughs> if you feel so led of the Lord and want to know how to donate to this ministry outreach, please visit brotherlance.com and scroll down to the bottom of the main page for the PayPal link. Thank you, and may God's blessing rest upon you. BrotherLamps.com